Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Memphis Herald, the founder I'm, of Vision I'm back. USA. I'm back. <laughs> to, to the listener, you were never gone. That's, well. That's the magic. Yeah, but I was gone. Well, now yes. I'm back. Not from our hearts. That's Or from well, the show, really. Well, that's good. Also joining us, a man who never leaves, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I like the sound of that. That's very nice. That's good. <laughs> It has, certain, it has a certain kind of, you know, minor Clint Eastwood character. Yeah. He's been in this town since Ought Four, the man who never leaves. That's right. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, but not all the way from Spain, which is why I was on the show last week when the pastor tried to meet church, Lee Younger. I am also back, but hopefully you guys recorded under protest while I was gone. I believe we did. Yeah, it sounds uh, right. Glenn is normally so under protest on this show, it's it's hard to keep track of what he's protesting. That's right. Normally he keeps them to himself, but you at home can't see this. He is holding picket signs That's yeah. right. at every uh, recording session. Most of them, <laughs> devastating puns aimed at me. <laughs> That's right. The host with the least. Wow, uh, sick burn! And whatnot. Right, so yeah. You know, they're, they're not winners, but there's I a lot keep, of I keep yelling, what do we want? And then no one says anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I say, when do we want? Yeah, and then nobody, and it's, it's kind of falls apart. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> the crowd interaction isn't what it could be. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot to get into the show, but I figured before we did that, we, we one of the things, we occasionally on the show, we make fun of the Christian books. Right. So when we have one, when we've read one that's nice, we like to share that. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I read books. <laughs> Who said I didn't? Literally no one. I, re- I read books like all the time. Wow. I read like a thousand books yesterday. Wow. Did, did you Were though, they like Jim? picture books? Like a th- not all of them. Were they like where Spot went? S- some of them. Okay. But well, others of them. Others of them were big books. <laughs> you were doing book reps, and I did. I did a thousand <laughs> yesterday. So, so high I'm in- going to high intensity interval reading. That's right. So, given that, I'm going to talk about a book that I read. Wow. Because because I read inspirational Christian authors. Okay. That's right. Fair enough. It's you know what it's like right now. It's like watching Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> like whoa! Is that because Jed's limping? Just so real. <laughs> or is it because of the Lincoln beard? <laughs> well, both. both. <laughs> What'd you read, Jed? So, um, let's see. What have I? What have I read? What was one of the thousand books that I read yesterday? Okay, as many. So there's a there's a writer. We actually do get a lot of questions about who are Christian writers that you guys like. And one that I like is a Jesuit priest named Father James Martin. Uh, he's a cool dude. He's written some good books. He's very active on the Twitters um, and has a lot of cool things to say. But we were talking uh, before the bridge service about uh, uh, conflict. And mm. so he tells this amazing story. So he's he's a Jesuit, and because of that, he spent a lot of time around monasteries. He's talking about there's still drama in monasteries. People still okay. get mad at each other, which— That's it, kind of uh, devastating to think about. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> like, you, you're trying to separate yourself off from the world and escape his troubles, but everywhere you go, there you are. Yeah. So they still got—they got drama in monasteries. You know, stuff's trying to pop off. And he's saying— there's one monastery he's hung out at, and there's a dude there who, he's one of these guys, this guy's always mad at somebody. You know, I mean, sometimes it kind of makes sense, a lot of times it doesn't, but this dude's always mad at somebody. And he's saying, this guy, the way he'll, the way they'll do it is, you know, monasteries, they do a lot of praying, right? right? Like, throughout the day, they have organized prayer that they all do together. Mm. And apparently, one of the things they do is, they, they'll take, like, a psalm, and they'll kind of read it together as a form of communal prayer, where they're kind right. of praying a psalm together. All right. So, uh, if you've read the psalms before, you know, and if you haven't, they'd be a good read. Oh. That could be one of your thousand books. Oh, so wow. you know. yeah. wait, are you counting each psalm individually? To yes, <laughs> obviously. That uh, feels like padding the numbers. I mean, I know it's the book of psalms, but mm. yeah. all right, we're gonna have to go to the judges for a ruling on that one. <laughs> In any event, um, so uh, if you read through the psalms, you know a number of them are written by dudes who are going through a pretty rough time, and right. so they'll talk about 
uh, their enemies, like mm-hmm. Lord, deliver me from my enemies, or Lord, give me justice right. against my enemies. You know, this kind of thing. Which, in the context, is often someone who's actively trying to murder them. Right. It's true. I mean, when they say enemies, they they don't mean that guy that's mean to me in the lunchroom. They, right? They, yeah. they, it's a little yeah. more potent than that. But so, uh, Father James Martin is talking about this dude. Whoever he's mad at in the monastery, they'll be doing their communal pray through of a psalm, and when they in their praying through, Lord, you know, Thou art mighty, Thou art merciful, and deliver me. In thy mercy from my and when they get to the word enemies this dude just turns and stares (laughs) at whoever he's mad at so we're we're all driven on lord thou art mighty thou art merciful deliver us in thy mercy from thy enemies just stare. Not being right. subtle about it. Just, no. If the guy's directly behind him, he just turns all the way around. Exactly right. Oh, this awesome. this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's my new happy place. Right. Is, yeah. is the dude doing that at a monastery? Yeah. I think we called that passive aggressive aggressive. Yes. Yes. Like aggressively passive aggressive. You're being passive aggressive, but you're being aggressive with it? Yeah. Which is well, pretty amazing. It is. Here's what I love about this, other than everything. Is as we were talking before the show, I I believe we described it as the "I'm not touching you" of church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you've been in the back of the church, the church the brother. I'm not touching you. You can't get mad, right? Yeah. So say, hey, I can look wherever I want while I'm reading. Right, you can't get that, mad about that. That's right. I love the intense legalism of getting away with that amount of passive aggression. I also love the idea of what are the other kinds of drama that can pop off at a monastery. <laughs> yes, right. you know, just like, and if some of it is more like m- more of this kind of like lunchroom immaturity you know like right. it, you like you go in and just disturb like the one possession in a guy's cell <laughs> right you just like <laughs> you just knock over like his candlestick right it's like leave my candlestick alone i only get one you yeah. know just what what other kind of drama can actually go down in a monastery you keep moving my sandals man <laughs> yes you know what it is, well like. this this is true this is a carryover but i imagine it's on the same vein we we work at the bridge with a lot of guys and women, but this particular case is guys who are in residential drug rehab facilities, which is a very it's a kind of uh you know involuntary monasticism. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You live yeah. in or you live in community. You don't have any real possessions, but exactly as Lee's saying, the the amount of drama about combs, yes, and yeah. toothbrushes, yeah, and pretty much <laughs> only those two things. There's only things yeah. anybody have. Yeah, but we're talking about. We have to, you know, we're talking to a couple of years ago at this point, a guy who's, he's like in senior leadership. He's on staff in these places. And it's like, we had to sit down and have a house meeting because the comb resentment <laughs> has risen beyond what can be stood. Right. That's right. So I just love that idea. You know, I just, he, he stole, he stole my good uh, smock. Right. Ex- but here, here's what I'm saying. Uh, now, uh, some people don't know this, but a while back, I was I was going to run for pope. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I heard that because uh, we were in between. <laughs> right, we sure. had a, we had a guy. And he was in there for a minute. And he Enter pope him. No, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, and then so we we need to get an Elwin going. Yeah, I said, well, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to get in that. Throw your hat in the ring, right? Yeah. And we had and a great hundred percent of the shots you don't take. That's right. Papacy. Uh, and uh. I said, well, you know what? Uh, I'm going to get a theme song. Yeah. Hope you like a hurricane. Love yep. it. People were excited. <laughs> Not the Scorpions. Right. It, it was Other people. It or was, their legal representatives. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was exactly like the Scorpions, except for with Pope instead of Rock. So here's what happened was uh, they elected the other guy. Right. And I kind of like stepped aside. I was like, you know what? I like this guy. Yeah. Sure. You you conceded graciously. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I could be like his vice pope. Sure. Sure. Uh, and then, like, whenever, like, he's, like, nice. So then when he needs somebody to, you know, break it down to people, he can send me in on <laughs> right, it. Right, yes. A little good pope, bad pope. That's right. Good pope, bad pope. Uh, it, and I'm just thinking maybe that's what needs to happen in these monasteries. So should we go start going in? Right. Just kick something over. Yes. And say, what are you going to do about the, it? The enforcer pope, you like throw your miter at him. Yeah. And like, and the, and then the one light bulb is like swinging. Right. That's you know, it. In, in the middle of the interrogation room. <laughs> that's right. Exactly right. Well, and this ties into another uh, church idea we've had, and we'll we'll include our Protestant brethren in this one. We'll expand it out a little bit, which is it's very similar. Uh, the idea of an outside enforcer. Yeah. 
So you know, bad pope. If you're in the the other Protestant traditions, we've we've posed the idea of a pastor of corrections. Yes, yeah. and this idea of you just took it too far. Yeah, and that again is the much like you know turning to look at the guy when you say enemies is the I'm not touching you of childhood of church. This is the wait till your father gets home of church. Ooh, there you this go. is don't make me call Pastor Nunzio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't care. No, he doesn't care. The whole thing about, well, I help out with children's church, and I've been coming this night. He doesn't care. That's he right. He doesn't know. He doesn't care. That's right. He's just coming in to clean the house. That's right. Too much nonsense. It's over now. We're shutting it down. Well, that reminds me hilariously of a real thing, and I will call on Glenn to share this, which is we have one of our bridge pastors, uh, yeah. Pastor Edwards. From, yeah. Uh, a, he's a very well-respected pastor on the south side of Chicago and is involved in a number of kind of pastoral associations. And this happens more in the African-American church than it does in, in the white church here in America, but they, they do a thing they call public switching, which right. is just, I, the pastor's there, but he's, he invites someone else to come in, just, you know, it breaks it up a little bit, the people get to hear someone else and all that. and oftentimes. They bring in our pastor friend for a very specific reason. Glenn, what is that reason? Well, it 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 is to threaten everyone in the church. As in to just tell the congregation, you're driving this man crazy. If this man of God loses his mind, that's going to be on you. You that's, don't want to be doing that when Jesus comes back. That's right. Get it together. <laughs> that's exactly it. And he learned that from his uh, predecessor, uh, the, who's his mentor, who was, a, he, he was the most humble guy you ever met and the sweetest guy that you'd ever want to meet. But he could be intimidating like, holy cow. I only met this gentleman, we're talking about our friend's mentor, when he was in his late 60s. Right. And sadly, literally rejecting the kidney he had just gotten. I mean, he had, right. he'd already essentially almost passed away kidney failure, gotten transferred, right. and wasn't taking. This was still the single most intimidating man I've ever met oh, in my entire life. And he would go, like a pastor would say, I'm really struggling with my congregation. He's like, okay, you preach mine, I'll preach yours. And he'd go in to their, that church and said, what are you doing? Don't make me have to come back here. This man is serving you. And he's helping you. What are you doing? What's and they would all just like, just on the threat that that man would come back, yeah. they would all behave. And then all, it all worked great. And that brings me to, as so many of our emergencies eventually turn to, the money-making idea. Hit me. Oh, good. Wow. If you... And by the way, did you declare emergency, or do you even care I will declare emergency. It's an emergency due to people not appreciating how many books I read. See? It's a very literate emergency. Wow. Oh. There was emergency in his voice, Glenn, and some of us pick up on those cues. Well... Don't need all sorts of rules and regulations. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I completely disagree with that. <laughs> we, if we don't have rules, what are we? Even worse. <laughs> yeah. But so, let's say you got a small group, you got a Bible study you know, somewhere, you know, yeah. there, there's people that start being honest, or there's this kind of conflict. Just, you know, send PayPal, it's about 50 bucks. We'll just send Jed to go creep them all out. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. you're, like, you're like, so-and-so really like so-and-so. It'd be like a prayer time. Like, I think we need to pray for John, because he's driving us all up a tree. Yeah. And everybody told me that before he got here. For some reason, they're not saying it now, but yeah. holy right. crap. Yeah. Or he'll just stare at the person right. that's driving us and... You know, is I think we just need to have a lot of you know peace and togetherness, and Jed will just stare at him. Yeah, I think he's talking to you, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea. Here's another one: somebody in the group got a haircut that none of us likes. Yeah, we're all talking about them behind their back. Yeah, we send Jed in there. He's like, whoa, what happened with your hair? Dang, bro, you okay? <laughs> right, Man. yeah, just because now now it's out there. Exactly. Now, Do you now fall onto it. a weed whacker? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Then everybody else can be like, whoa, Jed. Hey. Easy. You look, know. I call him like I see him. What do you want? I mean, I, I, I mean, I think it's good that we're discussing it, but whoa, Jed. Well, that's yeah. the brilliance is Jed gets back on a plane in Chicago and right. sees people getting like, I don't, I, that was weird. But since it's out there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, the, the dam is burst. We got to yeah, deal with it yeah, now. Yeah, now right. we got we have to address the elephant in the room, uh, which in this case is your hideous haircut. Uh, but yeah, you know. so the the incredibly impolite person who moves the group forward, yeah, a new business model <laughs> from say that industries. I think there's Fantastic. money to be made right there. I think it's great. Yeah. What allows me to do that job so effectively are the many, many, many books I have read and my great learnedness. Mm. I officially acknowledge your books. Now that we have acknowledged how literate I am and really the most literate, I'm happy to declare emergency off. Wow, Jed wins literacy. That's right. 
That's yeah. right. <laughs> well, uh, presumably, uh, at some point, we may have to make an entire bridge box about how to be the person who uh, cuts off all decorum, but seriously, Karen's driving us all nuts and so knock it off. Um, but for now, uh, we don't have that one in the pipeline quite yet, but if it comes a day, it'll be a time when our expertise will really come into its own. But this month's bridge box topic is about having hope. We got songs, we got sermons, we got Bible studies, we got all sorts of good stuff on that. Only $8 a month. Bridgebox is the number one way folks like the podcast support the ministry we do up here in Chicago and what Lee does with the youth down there in Tennessee. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. That brings us to our first question. It comes in anonymously, and it says, So many things around me are so terrible, and I want to either lose my temper or just give up. How do I have hope when things are so awful? Jed, why don't you kick us off? I can do that. Well, we are glad that you wrote in. So there's, there's an old saying that says, It is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. And there's a reason for that. Candles don't give off a lot of light, but it's really infinitely more than zero light. And uh, cursing the darkness feels like it's accomplishing something. It's not. Uh, it's not making the world a better place. It's not helping you. It's not helping anybody. So given that, light a candle. That means doing something, even if it's something really pretty small, that actively makes your corner of the world a better place. Yeah. Um, you are not responsible to fix all the world's problems. You're not, you're not able to. You're not responsible to. But you are called upon to do something. We were just talking about Charlie Jones, and a, a quote that he was fond of repeating is the idea of uh, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And that's really what we're talking about here. You can make a difference, even if it's a small one, in the lives of the people around you and in the community where you are. I think it is very easy to get overwhelmed by the enormity of the world's problems. And I don't know if the world has more problems today than it used to, but we're perhaps more aware of them today than we used to be. Right. I think that is true. And um, given that, I think it's easy to lose hope. Uh, given that, it's, it's easy to, to almost feel like anything I would do would be a drop in a bucket. So what does it even matter? And the answer is it matters enormously to the people that are receiving that drop. Um, yeah. To the people who are able to see as a result of you lighting that candle, it's a night and day difference. Yes, it is not on its own a huge impact to every person that is currently on this mortal coil, but that's not the goal. The goal is to light that candle and then, and this is in a lot of ways where faith comes in, trust that God is going to carry that effect on much farther than what you're capable of. You know, one of the, the hopes of Christianity is that um, the things that God does through us echo on through eternity, um, that that you may be, you know, again, not to overuse the phrase, but you may be lighting a candle in, you know, a small part of the world, in, 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 a, in just your corner of the world, but that the Lord can take that and use that impact to bless those people, and then use those people to bless other people, and then use those people to bless still other people, where it can have this ripple effect that goes on forever. That And that's what he's doing. That's what he's in the business of doing. Put it this way. Jesus, in essence, invested very, very deeply in the lives of about 12 people. He did other things too, but he invested very deeply in the lives of about 12 people. And that completely changed the world. I mean, yeah. like massively, forever. The world has not been the same since then. Um you can pick a handful of people and decide, I'm just going to love these people. I'm going to be a blessing to them. I'm going to be an encouragement to them. I'm going to be a servant to them. I'm going to point them towards the Lord. I'm going to, um, you know, uh, it, it, hopefully in more figurative ways, but I'm going to lay down my life in love for them. God will use that to change the world too. Uh, that's one of the hopes that we have in, in Christianity. But man, I have watched that be true. So don't give up. Light that candle and then let the Lord do something amazing with it. I think that's a fantastic place to start. That's all amazing stuff there. And Glenn, I, I'd love to get your picks up there, because I think one of the things that uh, Jed is pointing us to with what he's saying there is um, light a candle is inherently not worrying about the darkness. And this idea right. of person, there's almost kind of two different thoughts in this question. Things around me are terrible. I want to lose my temper. How do I have hope? Mm -hmm. So there's almost this intrinsic kind of tying of, well, I got unterrible things so I can have right. some hope. 
Yes. But I'm not sure that's the right order of operations there. No, it isn't because I, I you know, if I open my social media, for example, and I look at my feed, and, and my feed, the people that I follow on on Facebook are the most awesome people in the world. These are people I know, people I love, positive people that 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 uh, most of them are Christian, and a lot of them are. Uh, in professional ministry uh, on my feed, if I just go down that Facebook feed, it's one awful thing after another. <laughs> That's all it is. Just one. It yeah. here's me eating a sandwich that you can't have, and then right back to something awful. Yeah. You know. Um, and I think if you ask those people, they would say, "Well, I saw an awful thing, and I felt like I just needed to say something about it." Um, here's the thing. Uh, first of all, saying something about it is not really as effective as you might hope that it is. But it's also, I think, uh, along the lines of what Judd is saying here, we're looking at things sort of backwards in the sense of if you look at wherever there is darkness and say, there shouldn't be darkness here, where are we going with that? You know? Uh, if we say, well, look, I can light a candle. I can make the world a brighter place. Let me do that. But I, I think there's there's something about Christians um, where they, they, they want to kind of have a, a mental world and live in a mental landscape where everything is basically righteous, and we just got to mop up the last little bits of unrighteousness that are going on. Oh, uh, you know, it's it's a wonderful country, except for these people who do this thing shouldn't be allowed to do that thing. So we got to pass the law. We got to squash that because then it'll be perfect. You know, uh, I live in a world where all of it is screwed up in every direction, and all the people in it are screwed up and going in every different direction. Every now and then, somebody does something right, and nobody notices because we don't have time to comment on that. I've got to comment on this awful thing over here. Uh, so all of that is backwards to me. I think it's about um, instead of looking to right a wrong, we need to just look at what is the right thing to do. Those, if I right a wrong, I just take it back to zero. I don't make anything better, and that's that's our that's our goal. Uh, as part of that, it's good to think about and meditate on whose job is it to fix everything. Mine, right. Actually, no. Oh, that doesn't sound right. Because you do not have the power to fix most things. Well, that is true. You know, I mean, <laughs> we wish you would get to work on global warming and, you know, change the uh, entire global uh, atmospheric conditions, but I don't think you're probably going to, uh, on your own, make a big dent in that, you know. He's flapping that fan as hard as he can. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, it's, you know. Uh, it's God's job to fix everything. Uh, we need to let him do that job and ask, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Amen. Uh, that's a big difference from let me mouth off on every wrong thing that I see. That's not that's not accomplishing much, and it's also not the thing that God's calling us to do. Uh, it seems sort of self-righteous to do that, and that's that's should be the warning light on your dash. Um, it's also important, just as we wrap that up, to recognize everything goes in a cycle. Everything goes up, comes down. Everything's down, will be up. If you live long enough, you see all these trends and all these things that you read about in the news. They go away, they come back, and they go away again. This is how life goes. You, you can't be caught up in living in the moment continuously and being and riding that roller coaster up and down. I think that's a great point. And, Leah, I'd like you to close out here because I think one of the things that— um uh, these guys are pointing to that we, we don't want, certainly don't want to be misheard. There's this I, the concept of don't get bogged down and focus on the darkness, do the right thing. That does not mean do not acknowledge where there are things like injustice and problems and whatnot. That means uh, that right. posting about them on Facebook may not be the most effective fix. So what do we actually sure. do? Well, I think that uh, that what these guys are laying out is exactly the the the. The, the right thing. It's exactly the thing that kind of that comes into my head. And one of the things that I would say is that when you uh, the, the phrase that that really, really uh, jumped into my head when I read the question is get a mission. Um, when there's a cool thing that happens when you're on a mission, that you are not as distracted by everything that can keep you so distracted. 
Um, you know, I, I love that Glenn brought up the Facebook feed. You know, the Facebook feed or the Twitter feed or the whatever feed or the news feed or whatever you're looking at. There are so many things that that uh, you could you could try to figure out. How do I care about all these things at once? But when you have a mission, that's a refining thing. You know, so let's say that, like Jed said, find a specific thing and get after that. Well, when you have, when you have that kind of a mission, it allows you to not be completely distracted by all these other things that like, as Glenn correctly said, you can't control all of them. But like, for instance, if you say, um, in like, uh, let's say for instance, in my County, there's a, there, there is an organization that, uh, that collects money and uh, and and gets school supplies for uh, underprivileged kids in our county, um, and so that you know when a kid comes into the school and doesn't can't afford to have a backpack and their you know their pencils and their paper and their binders and all that kind of stuff, this organization gets all of that stuff together, finds those people and gets them all their school supplies so they don't have to buy any of it. They just give them all of that stuff. It's a really cool organization. And there's organizations like that all over the place that are doing all kinds of cool things. And if you decide, I'm going to get into that right there. Well, that is the coolest thing ever, because in the life of a particular family who maybe has shown up in your community and doesn't know where to uh, access, you know, anything, and they don't have any money, and they don't have any kind of hope for finding that kind of stuff, you become the person who actually hands their kid a backpack and the binder and the pencils and the, the paper and all that kind of stuff. Now, all of these problems and all the things that are bringing you down on your news feed or your Twitter feed and stuff like that, you don't actually have time to, to keep refreshing that feed all day long because you're actually giving somebody a backpack and pencils and paper and that kind of stuff. If you can dig that, when you have a mission and a team, that's a refining thing. It's not just that it's exactly like Jed saying, you, you, are, you are actually lighting up the darkness right there where you are. But not only that, you are refining your focus so that you're not as distracted by all the things that are making you feel hopeless. You are bringing hope into the world because of this mission. And because of this mission, you are less distracted by all of the stuff that, as Glenn correctly says, you can't do anything about. So for me... This is one of those things where it's like, get a mission, get a team, and then you are going to have the kind of focus that, that, that makes you feel a level of hope that you, you can't even believe. I mean, the, I, I'm on a, t a small team of people who does a, a, a chapel service at the local state penitentiary. And of course, you got to jump through all kinds of hoops to get into a gig like that. But once you get in there, I mean, you cannot believe how much of a difference it makes to those guys when you show up and you remember them and you care about them and you know their name and you ask about their kids by name. And how's that thing going with so-and-so? And, and how are things going with your mom back home? And, and how can we help you uh, with, with some of these things that you're dealing with on the outside while you're in here? That kind of stuff is so refining so that, uh, you know, yeah, there's a thousand things that I could be worried about or that I could be drugged down about in, you know, in my Twitter feed and my news feed and stuff like that. But I actually don't have time to sift through that anymore. I actually don't, I actually don't have space to be bogged down by all this darkness because I'm so focused on the mission of hope that I've got that I'm, that I'm laser focused on with this team of people. And so I would say get a mission, get a team. Not only are you going to be lighting a candle, not only are you not going to be trying to solve all the problems of the world, but that focus, that refinement actually helps you to feel more hopeful about the world that you're living in right now. I think it's a great point. And to tie what Lee's saying here into what these guys are saying, and I'll add this one little bit to it, which is um, there's nothing, there's no such thing as a problem too small. It's also no such thing as a problem too big. It's, I think it's wrong to look at the situation too much in either one of those directions, but there is a reasonable expectation of what can be done about what. So um, if you say, um, you know, I think criminal justice, I think the uh, criminal justice system in this country is uh, massively uh, racist and weighted against poor people and it's awful. All of those things are true. I was at the county jail today. They're definitely true. So if you think, you know, I really feel like, Voter registration is an important part of that. I feel like organizing 
um, you know, about my lo- on the lo- with the local city council to do those are important things. And it's not a good idea to say, well, you know, please violence. What, what can you do? Right. Just what can you do? But it's, nor is it a good idea to say to look at someone who is going to the jailhouse, who is doing a little thing and say, well, that's not enough. You can't just do that. Um, it's one of those things of that takes me back to what Jed, where Jed quoted Charlie Jones, you know, what you, where you are with what you can, with what you have, mm-hmm. that varies. And that's, that's a, that's a calling thing too. So there's an idea of, well, what, what can I do, uh, you know, with these things and these problems are so big, maybe they're not as big as they seem, you know, as Glenn pointed out, there's been a, there's been pretty massive, where, whatever country you live in, whatever country you live in, there's been pretty massive changes that were uh, part of people organizing and voting and all that stuff. That's great. Um, there's also no such thing as too small. You know, the Bible specifically says a cup of water is a righteous act. So That's right. when you're looking for what you can do, don't get stuck too much in either direction. So it's not on you to fix the whole problem, but nor is it on, is, nor is it the uh, a phrase Glenn brings up a lot. It's an important concept. Is the opposite of that, a bad idea is another bad idea, which means oftentimes in life, if you say, well, A is not it. To go 180 degrees from A is also probably going to be a problem. So the idea of like you can't fix these all these problems right now. It's not we're not the fix is not say so. What can you do? Let's all scream in the darkness because that's where you come like well I might as well just tweet about it because what else are you going to do? The answer is almost some certainly something useful. So look yeah. for those uh, whether it's big or small and sometimes it's both. You know sometimes. It's joining an organization that might do a big thing, but you're setting up chairs while other people are doing the big thing because that's how you do. That's all great. So, but find something to do, and you will feel a lot better about this as you go along. Is the main point there? I think. All right, we move on to our next question. Here comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox and says, "Hello, Bridge Gurus." Correct. Yes, I, as I informed our friend on the Tumblr time, I will be adding that phrase to my business cards <laughs> pretty much as soon as possible. I'm looking for a new Christian fellowship. I recently left my small group at church since it never became much more than a social club, but I do like the church. I also wish more close friends, and I find it hard to create those close friendships. Can you give me some pointers? And Glenn, I, I pointed out this person when I answered a question online that I think if you broke it down across uh, the men and women we work with at the bridge and in jail, uh, the folks we work with online, and as I was thinking about it, even including our pastors and denominational folks we work with, this may be the number one complaint. Mm. And problem people have currently is right. just can't get fellowship going. That's yeah. either I can't get going for myself, or I got this church and I want them to fellowship and nobody wants to do it. And that's almost certainly a person who doesn't have any fellowship in their own life. Mm-hmm. So um, how do we start on that from a personal standpoint? Well, I think it's putting it on you, first and foremost. If, if you're looking at, at, I need more fellowship in my life, and I'm, I, and I, I, I'm looking for other people to solve that problem, because other people should be the one to solve that problem, you're not going to move ahead. But part of it is, if we if we look at the real world element of that with a little bit of sympathy, uh, you know, basically what you're describing is a small group that's a social club, which you're leaving because you need to create close friendships. Well, see, the that they if it's mostly about the social and the social is what you're looking for. Yeah, it was probably where you were, but my guess is you were going there, and it was a social club, quote unquote, where it was a club in the sense of a closed group, or not yeah. entirely closed, but they all know each other, sort of a clickish kind of thing, and you're not, you're struggling to fit in. Maybe that's because they're maybe a different age than you; they have different interests. So, you know, they all like a show, and they're talking about the show, and you haven't seen the show, so you don't have anything to talk about, and so on and so forth. You know, it's crazy to me how often um, uh, 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 Christian uh, fellowship type groups and events and what have you don't focus on inclusion. Mm-hmm. That's super important. If 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 we have a new person in the circle and they don't watch this show or they don't follow sports or they don't whatever, hey guys, how awesome is that ball game we all went to last night? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> yeah, right. Change the dang subject. Let this other person talk about what they're on, whatever. Be inclusive. That's super important. It's probably one of the most central focuses of of what we do and how we set up a good fellowship kind of environments. So, you know, it, it, it is right and good for someone to break that down. But 
even within that, it's up to you to be assertive and say, well, I saw this TV show, and maybe y'all didn't see it, but I want to talk about it, and maybe you would want to see it and like it. Or I read this Bible verse, or I have a feeling, or I had a rough week, and you have to assert yourself right. within that. If they don't support you in that, well, okay, then we, we, got, a, we got a situation here. It is time to move on. Uh, but I think it's about uh, being a sort of, and I think it's about having an attitude of giving people a chance to step up in that. Some yeah. people will, some people won't. Uh, we, we don't need to bat a thousand in that, to use a sports reference that Jed probably didn't entirely absorb. But uh, I read a book about it yesterday. Yeah. R- r- right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so we sometimes we have to uh, kiss a few frogs till we find our prince, uh, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's some people that uh, really uh, do acceptance and do it well. Uh, I think that acceptance and inclusion is a good thing for you to be looking for. Uh, I think it's a big part of healthy Christian community. Uh, if you're if you're listening to this as a leader, you need to be focused on this. If you're listening to this as someone who's looking for one of those groups, uh, I think it's fair uh, to look for that as long as you are willing to do your part to be assertive with that. Mm. That's a great point. And just to double check, when you say kiss a few frogs, you mean that metaphorically, right? Well, it's not like a subs. I thought like, maybe that was a substrat of like snake handling. Well, if the old if the whole group is going and kissing frogs. You're going to want to kiss frogs in order to fit in. Sure, at least try it once. Yeah, I know you don't like it. Yeah, yeah, you give it a shot, see what happens. I think that's good advice in general. And Lee, I think you have a good good perspective on this as someone who uh, is in in leadership in a church and uh, sees that people need fellowship and maybe sees them not uh, doing the things Glenn was saying to achieve said fellowship. So uh, coming from things from that angle, what would you suggest? Well, the first thing is, as a person who still lives in the South, most of these brothers have moved on from the South, you got to be careful when you're talking about church fellowship and uh, slimy animals, because there's a whole lot of <laughs> catfish gigging that happens oh, down yeah. here and stuff, and, and uh, catfish noodling. And... Oh, you'll end up way steep in a creek before you even know what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that you... gunk hole. Yeah, you just don't... I, I'm out, okay? <laughs> if, the, if the fellowship is... Noodling catfish, I'm out. Um, Google it, uh, international yeah. listeners. But yeah, so I, I this is a this is one of those classic incidents, exactly as Glenn's saying, where um, the thing that you're hoping to get, you got to give it away. Um, the it 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 seems kind of trite to say it, but um, fellowship. If you if you ain't got any going on and you want to have some happening. Um, Feed people at your house. Start there. Um, yep. it, that's not a deep thing. That's not a deep spiritual insight or anything like that. But I'm talking get some ground beef and some soft taco shells, some chips and some salsa, and say, hey, it's taco night. Uh, I'm inviting you three people over. And it's it's not complex. Start a Pandora station of Motown hits and have people over. And I know you're saying, you know, I was in one and it was kind of a social group. That's where these things start. Um, but it is a holy thing to, to share a meal with someone. And if you're the person that kicks that meal off and you invite someone into your home, you don't have to have a perfect house. You don't have to have a Pinterest-worthy living room or anything like that. Just have people over to your house. That's a vulnerable thing. And and if you really do want to move that fellowship forward as far as a, a spiritual element, then as you guys are having dinner, you got one person in your house or two or three people in your house from the church. Um, you know, at a certain point in the conversation, just kind of break in and say, tell you what, guys, I, I would love to ask you to pray for me about something. Um, and, and I'm just going to share with you a, a tough thing I've been going through this week. If that just crashes and burns, then then these might not be the right folks. But yep. my guess is it's not going to totally crash and burn. My guess is you show some vulnerability like that after you've fed some people in your house and folks are going to rally around you. The, 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 the Holy Spirit's going to be at work in, in that situation too. You may really, really kick off something. But yeah, this is not a deep spiritual thing. Have some people over, put chips in a bowl and and see what happens. Um, a couple of the, the kinds of folks you might want to start with, one, 
anybody that you are on some kind of ministry team with. So you, if you're a greeter in the church and you're on a rotating team of folks who greet people or you help out with the, the children's ministry or you clean up after the service or something like that, and there's three or four other people that do that in the church, have those folks over. Um, so anybody that you're on any kind of ministry team with, let's start there. Um, and then, and then a- after that, look around in the church for folks who are needy. Um, if, if the, the goal of this thing is we're going to give away the thing that we want to get, then find some needy folks. Those are the folks who, who, who want to come over to your house and have a taco and talk about your problems. Um, and they might want to talk about theirs as well. So, so have folks in your house, uh, cook them some food. And, and ask for some prayer and, and see what happens. Look for the folks that are needy. Look for the folks that you're on a ministry team with. I think that's, that really hits the nail on the head. And Jed, let's, I don't think we're going to do too, too much to build on what Lee said there, but let's, let's build it out in sure. a sense of, because uh, with the darn millennials yes. and whatnot, let's say you're not, you don't have a house, maybe you still have folks, maybe dorm or whatever, but this, this exact picture Lee's pointing for, painting for us, which is great. I'm inviting people in your life. Let's look at some, what are some uh, maybe principles we can use to wherever you are, whatever stage of life you are, if you want to take step one on this, what's that going to be? Well, let's start by peering into the minds of others for a second. Ooh. Yeah. So you need to connect, construct some kind of cerebro helmet. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> we're going to engage Oh, it. no, that's a rhetorical device. That wasn't step one. Yeah, I think it's great. I celebrate it. I, you know, many of the thousand books from yesterday were volumes of X-Men comics. So, you know, I mean, uh, uh, this is all starting to come together to get to that thousand number. That's right. Uh, if you peer into the minds of others with or without a Cerebro helmet, here's what you find. Most people are super lonely, dude. Yeah. Right. And, and are super hungry for attention and interaction and uh, intimacy and affection. Um, and uh, the thing about it is they're just not doing anything about it. Um, they're, they're lonely. They're super hungry for those things. They're just, they're just not doing a lot about it. So, um, people need, generally speaking, a context, um, uh, to which they can attach themselves and, um, be a part of things. So the, the principle that Lee is already pointing to, but just to, uh, as Matt, as you said, to kind of deepen it a bit, the principle is that you choose to be the person who initiates things. And that can mean a lot of stuff, but one of the things it means is being the person who comes up with an idea of a thing we're going to do and plans it out and makes it happen. Um, If you don't have a house, you know, you you live with your parents or you have a a tiny, you know, one-bedroom studio, there's just no way anybody could fit in it and whatnot. Um, We're all going to go, we're going to have taco night, but we're going to do it at this great Mexican restaurant that I found, and it's going to be awesome. And here's when we're doing it, and you are invited, and I hope you will come, and you are invited, I hope you'll come, and I'm planning the whole thing. Um, I think there are probably a lot of people in your life desperate for someone to do that. Um, and you might say, well, if they're so desperate, why don't they do it? Dude, I don't know. But that's same reason you're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Same reason you're not doing it. Um, but I think most people are desperate for there to be a context to which they can attach themselves and with which they can interact. If you're willing to be the person that invents and sets up and creates that context, you will find people who will respond. You you really, really will. Yes, you will have a certain number. You'll have a certain number of people who definitely are not lonely and are just super busy and have too many things going on already. That's fine. You will have a certain number of people who, bless their hearts, they're just having struggles. Um, they're, they're just yeah. not maybe they're not able to receive, you know, healthy human interaction right now. But most people are really, really hungry for it. If someone would just create a context where they could do that, that's a skill that you can learn. That's a thing you can choose to get better at. The first thing that you set up, the first event you plan won't be the best event you ever plan. For sure. (laughs) It, It definitely will not. The fifth event you plan will be infinitely better than the first one. Yeah. Uh, at a certain point, you'll catch your stride. You'll catch your That's gear. Right. You'll get better and better and better at it. And what you'll find, and this is the way that the things the Lord always work, is that your needs are being met, which is really cool, even as you are meeting the needs of a whole lot of other people and being a blessing to a whole lot of other people. Um, you're, If you're wondering about this, we think you're the right person for that job. So ask the Lord to give you courage and then get in the motion of initiating and planning and creating a context that other people can be a part of. That's an absolutely great point. One important uh, logistical thing to throw in there from people who do plan things for a living, um, you know, 
Invite twice as many people as you want to show up. Yes, sure. That's how things like that. That's how we do it. To work, no doubt. Uh, I will will close off with a quick story of the most honest thing I've ever heard in church. It's also the most uncomfortable I've ever seen a room in church. Ooh. In announcements one day, and a woman stands up, and they're announcing she has to start a small group. It's it's like older than college, younger than you know having kids, and said, you know, I just feel like I'm doing this for me. I need friends, need people in my life, so we're doing it. And I've heard in the same room people talk about their surgeries. Yeah. And people talk about, you know, lesions and whatnot and all sorts. And you've never seen a room full of white people go, oh, I wish someone hadn't said that. (laughs) Because exactly as Jed's pointing out, so many people feel that. Yeah. But I I say that to say uh, it worked at the time. So it wasn't perfect, but it worked. So that, you know, people do respect that. Um, The other thing I'll say on this particular one aspect of this question, we, we didn't dive into too hard, but I think we can. We can handle pretty quickly here. Um, fellowship, as Lee started with, in and of itself is a good and godly and important thing. Yes. Uh, a lot of good fellowship gets ruined because somebody says, should we sing a song? <laughs> should we Should we all memorize this Bible verse as a group? There's nothing wrong with any of those things. I mean, don't be acoustic guitar guy at the party. But there's nothing wrong with singing in general. That's a good church thing. I wish you were here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but fellowship is its own thing. You, you need worship time, and you need instruction in the word time. We all and you need fellowship. We all need that in our in our walks. So this idea of well, all they did was get together and hang out, and I thought like, man, that's we should probably all be praying. In Greek. <laughs> That's right. That, you know, uh, you don't try to supersize or overprogram fellowship, especially in the beginning. You know, th- things, a Bible study is a Bible study. That's great. That, that has a purpose. A community fellowship group is its own thing. And the point is to get in each other's lives and have that kind of camaraderie. So I think this is one thing where church leadership can kind of uh, punt that a little bit because they want it to be a program and a thing. And we're going to do. You know, we're going to do man factory building, and we're going to talk about this particular thing, and do our, our fellowship group is going to be a five week series on X, as opposed to what's going on in people's lives. But I think if you've been around church culture, you can buy into that yourself and say, "Wow, well, we're all we're just kind of you know farting around here. This doesn't feel very holy." So all I'd say, don't don't discount the concept of just we went out, we talked about eighty percent nonsense, and then right as we were leaving. Someone said, oh, yeah, hard week at work. Uh, you know, everybody keep that up. That's fine. That's fellowship. That's, that's nothing wrong with that, and it's a good place right. to start. So all that is very good advice. We'll move on to our final question here, which comes in anonymously. It says, negative people are always messing with me, and sometimes I get aggressive and mean. Other times I hold it inside and talk behind their back, which is another strategy. How could I be assertive but remain positive without letting negative people make me act a fool? Great question. Lee, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I'd love to. And I I got a couple of big things on this. We'll kick it around to these other guys. But one is, um, I I think it's a really good question. Where you ended on the question is a really good question. How do I be assertive? Um, that, That is an awesome question because assertive can be a really, really good thing. And it doesn't have to equal aggressive. I think in a lot of people's minds, those things are co equal. You know, that if somebody's assertive, they're probably a jerk. Um, And that's not really the case at all. Um, uh, being assertive is a, is a, is a really important part of setting up healthy boundaries in your relationships. And as we've said a thousand times on this, on this podcast, every healthy relationship has boundaries in it. And so you're going to have to set up some with, with certain people that are misbehaving in your life from time to time. Um, there's a thing that there, there's kind of a Jedi mind trick that if you can get your mind around it, it, and if you get some practice at it, you can start to get good at this thing, which is, uh, you know, somebody's uncool, you can pull them aside and without raising your voice, without going off. And sometimes actually, uh, keeping your cool, keeping a, 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 a low, Volume and a low tone of voice can actually be a whole lot more effective than yelling and going off. That you can kind of pull this Jedi mind trick where you call somebody to a higher version of themselves. So that you say, you know, hey, look, you know, whatever, whatever. I know that you did not mean to come across the way that you just came across to me. It's kind of a way of, uh, of, of giving a person the out of, of saying, Oh yeah, yeah. I totally didn't mean that, even though they may have. 
or they may just have been kind of a jerk face. But you give somebody the chance to rise to a higher version of themselves. Hey, I know that you didn't you didn't mean to be a total jerk when you said this this way, but just so you know, the way this comes across is extremely disrespectful and and kind of hurtful to me. So, uh, so I, I know that you don't want to do that again. And it gives a person a chance to say, "Yeah, you're right. This isn't a this is an assertive way to say I." You will not treat me this way again, but you're not kind of publicly calling them out and you're not talking about them behind their back, which doesn't do any good. Uh, you know, that doesn't solve your problem because it doesn't address them in any way. Um, these these are the kinds of situations. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of deal where uh, a lot of people are uncomfortable just having um, a, a conversation that has some conflict in it. But all adult relationships eventually and and sometimes a lot more than once are going to have conversations like this good friendships are going to have conflict in them and conflict doesn't have to be horrible but there are going to be times where you have to say to somebody you can't talk to me that way um and and I don't appreciate you know being treated this way and so let's do it this way um and and you can kind of do that in a way where you call somebody to a higher version of themselves and a lot of folks will respond really really well to that and say yeah I I, I didn't want to come across at you that way I, I want to treat you in a totally different way and uh yeah but you know uh, you know, talking about somebody behind their back, that's ineffective. Going off and just showing your worst self to the entire group, that's ineffective as well. But pulling somebody aside and being very clear or just calling them to a higher version of themselves, this is a good way to handle stuff like that. And it's and it's something that you want to go ahead and get good at because every relationship that you're in, at some point, you're going to have to have some of these kind of conflict conversations. That is an excellent place to start. That is really good stuff. And Jed, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up there because I think there's an important skill and an important scenario that Lee is uh, pointing us to, which is that particular a, a focus negativity. Yeah. Someone is being negative about me. You know, you shouldn't have done that. You look silly. Why are you doing that? Which and Lee gave us the perfect way to the way that that kind of has to be dealt with. I mean, yeah. there's nuances in that, but it's pretty much the only way it's going to work. How do we deal with the more just nebulous, everything sucks guy? Yeah. There's because there is someone who's being negative at you, and then there's people around you who are just being negative, and that's wearing in its own way. No doubt about it. Well, this is a Bible passage that actually gets talked about in church very, very little for reasons that are not clear to me, but it's from Ecclesiastes. This is Ecclesiastes 7 21 to 22. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Okay. Now, what's interesting there is the biblical understanding, we all say stupid stuff that we don't mean, right. all of us, every one of us, and that a a healthy person, a balanced person, a godly person uh, knows when to shake it off, uh, knows when to say, eh, there's, no, we're just, we're not, we're not worrying about that, just, mm -hmm. no. To be clear, this is one of those things that does require balance. Uh, like Lee's describing, there are things where you definitely need to cuff somebody and say, hey, what what are we talking about here? There are things that are uh, verbal abuse that are 100% out of bounds. There are things that are pure words where it's time to involve the police. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there's a gradation on this. But there are for sure, and the Bible makes clear, there are things where, shake it off, man. Don't let this be water on a duck's back. Just, just don't give this a second thought. Right. And I think that truth be told, I think a lot of us really struggle with that. You know, um, I, I think there's something about the human brain where it's really difficult for us to make peace with the idea that someone would say something that is truly nonsense. That just, there's no truth in it. There's no point to it. It's just made up nonsense. I, I think there's something about our brains that just kind of says, no, if they said it, it must, it must mean something. It must, there right. must be, so, but no, actually people say a lot of stuff that's just uh, nonsense and it isn't, it does, there's no bearing on anything. It's not, it's just noise. It's, that's it. That's, that's the full stop. And I think giving ourselves permission, because that's in a lot of ways what this Bible passage is talking about, is giving ourselves permission to say, I've decided this is noise. I'm, I'm shaking off. I'm moving on. And that right. takes a good amount of personal authority. And I think that's part of the reason why it doesn't get talked about in church very often is that's, that tends to be a struggle for a lot of us that have been around Christian culture, that, that idea of personal authority. But 
if we'll do that, we'll have a lot more peace in our lives. And the key thing to, to take us kind of full circle back to the first question that we looked at tonight is when we shake off the meaningless nonsense uh, that we're around, that frees up headspace and emotional energy to actually do something about real problems both in our lives and the lives of other people. Um, so which, which lead to more meaning and more satisfaction and a better, healthy, uh, more healthy emotional life anyway. So it all works out. Thus, the fine biblical art of shaking it off. Very much so. And Glenn, let's maybe look, I think it's, uh, they, these guys both have this great strategies and let's maybe look at that in between of when we're deciding which we're going to, which one we're going to employ. Cause mm. you got to point out there, there, you can't shake off everything, nor no matter how good a strategy you have, can you confront everything? And I think maybe a lot of the piece on this is going to be in uh, how well we discern which of those is which. Yeah, I think when you, if you were to say uh, these things are, you know, two two broad categories. One stuff that's abusive, as Jeff's pointing out, stuff that's sort of a toxic kind of thing, or something that's sort of actively destructive in some sort of way. It's really taking us all down in some sort of way. Uh, so that would be more extreme stuff, obviously. Uh, then on the other category, we want to put in foolishness. Yep. Well, there's a lot of foolishness. <laughs> and how. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the good news is the Bible tells us what to do about foolishness. And, and the Bible says, you know, don't answer, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Mm. And um, uh, it, it, what it says, if you read the context around that, it's saying... If you answer a fool according to his folly, you make that person seem wise in their own eyes. So, I must have a point if the students want to talk to me about exactly it. Exactly right. Um, and it also points out in, in that same block of verses there that if you answer a fool according to his folly, you become like that fool. Uh, these are these are the things we don't want to become. You know, when when you're walking down the street and a dog in a yard starts barking at you, you don't get on down on all fours and bark back. That's just uh, you, there. It's just pointing out we have to be above some of these things. As Lee's pointing out, uh, it's about uh, being able to confront somebody and deal with them where you're coming in on a different channel than they are. Yeah. And I think that that uh, that shows a bit of being above it, being a little wiser, being a little smarter, um, and also giving people. You know what? A big part of what I left about what Lee was saying is you're giving that person. One big giant exit lane off of this highway that you're on, <laughs> and you're gonna want to take this exit right here, buddy, because man, it's gonna be fine. Like it's, it won't cost you anything. You just get right off here, and it's like none of this ever happened. Or you can keep going down this road where everything gets way worse and the stakes get way higher. Uh, so why, you know, let's let's go ahead and pull over right here. That'd be great, you know, and no hard feelings, and we can all move on. Uh, you know, uh, if, if someone doesn't respond to that, well, then you have your your answer on what kind of a person you're dealing with. Um, the other thing is the talking uh, uh, behind people's back thing. I want to talk about that because I I think that's uh, that creates a lot of problems in in church. The Bible actually says that gossiping is bad. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we just had a block party on on our on our block and. Uh, the the gossip uh, was was high. It was hard, and it was fast. I mean, it was coming in buckets, and and you know, <laughs> and you're there's part of you that's just kind of sitting back, like, come on now, that you know, the, 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 does anybody here have a life they would like to talk about that kind of thing? The Bible talks about uh, gossip is bad. That uh, talking bad about people behind their backs that erodes that fellowship. It creates problems. But here's the thing about that. If I can get a little abstract and theological on you, I'd like to do it this way. When I say to people, "You need to be honest," because a lack of honesty hurts relationships, the the response that I always get is being honest and doing all these other virtues is impossible. So I can be. I can be nice and kind and gentle and sweet and and be lying my behind off and fake as I'll get out. Or I can tell them what I really think of them, but I couldn't possibly be loving and kind and gentle within that. 
And that's just completely stupid. <laughs> there is no virtue that makes the other virtues harder to hook up. All the virtues work together. You know, if I if I tell you, it, it, it's the same thing when someone says, if I say to someone, be charitable, and they say, well, there's probably no way to be charitable without enabling somebody, so I'm just not going to be charitable. Well, first of all, you don't you don't get to opt out of a virtue just because it might be messy and complicated to hook up, and and also. Helping people and enabling people are in the two opposite directions. You hurt people when you enable them, so you wouldn't you wouldn't come across it that way. Uh, yes, there are lines to be drawn. Yes, we need wisdom, that other virtue, to know how to do that. But this mentality of I can't be honest because it would always be bad. I can't possibly be honest without being abusive. That just there's no way that could happen. That mentality is, I think, the thing that that needs to go out the window. Part of what Lee was describing is a way of being honest with somebody, confronting somebody, but being loving. And it's a loving thing to give somebody a chance for a do-over. You know, this was a few years ago, uh, but my my wife came in. She was really upset about something, really mad, and she kind of said something that was that was just out there. And and I said, and she got the look on her face like that was too far out there, and I could see it on the on her face. I said, would 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 you actually like to just start over again? You could tell. I'll give you a free do over. You can walk out, come <laughs> in. And I'll forget what just happened. Would you like that? And she was like, yes, I really would. She walked out like, okay, it's been a rough day. I'd like to share with you a couple of things. It, you know, she's still talking about the same stuff, but we're, we're coming in on a different note. That's a beautiful gift to mm. give somebody. Is give them a chance to redirect and regroup. Uh, but I had to be honest with her that that was a little out of pocket. So those things go together. And she does the same thing with me all the time. Last little point. Um, uh, an exercise the Lord had me on uh, this past week, uh, look at every incoming bit of negativity into your life, just all of it. Just have a Geiger counter of negativity that's uh, just sort of sitting in the corner of your brain, and every time a negative thing crosses your brain, it starts to tick away. And you will be shocked by how much is going on there. Uh, you may not be able to do much with uh, uh, your news website. You may not be able to do much with your social media. You may need to avoid certain friendships that are kind of turning negative and toxic to really look at uh, how much negativity am I actually absorbing, and I'm not confronting that within myself. I'm not confronting that within others, and, 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 and I'm not leading in that. I'm not saying to everybody, okay, okay, okay. All right, everything sucks. Everything's on fire. I get it. But let's figure out what we want to do next. And also, let's go eat some tacos. It's hard to be negative in tacos. That's year. right. They're exactly. delicious. They're easy. It's, you know, it's, it's a positive. I think, uh, you know, if, if you feel too much negativity, try tacos. That's right. It's not going to be the whole fix. It's possible to go too far with that, but it can't hurt. That's always true. Ask your doctor if taco sale is right for you. <laughs> It costs $800 per one. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. If you have a question for us, set podcast, gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago dot Tumblr dot com. Or tell a song this week. This is from the ever elusive and mysterious pool house guru. Yeah. From this month's bridge box. All about hope. It's called instrument of your peace. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The say that podcast now taking reservations for passive, aggressive, aggressive interventions. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, make me an instrument.